all of this has done is empowered us even more, enraged us even more, made us fight for each other even harder. And we're, we're not giving up. We're not going away. This is not ending. Um, MMT will be used for policy to benefit the common good, the common people. All of this will happen in our lifetime. I am really sure of this because if it wasn't millions of us, right, so enraged and so angry and and people were still asleep and hopeless and dead, I would say, yes, we, we have no chance. But there's power in our numbers. There's power in our compassion. And we're, we're going to just move forward. Welcome to Activist MMT, a podcast about nonviolent MMT direct activism, introducing modern monetary theory to the world and conversations about learning MMT together. I'm your host, Jeff Epstein. Today is part two of my two-part conversation with second-year MMT activist Ramona Masachi. Ramona is a New Jersey resident, mother of two, and an artist who creates handmade jewelry, chandeliers, and metal sculptures that light up. In this second part, Ramona and I talk about how we worked together for several months to coordinate and schedule dozens of federal candidates for private introductions to MMT with PhD economists. Before we met, Ramona helped create a community of hundreds of progressive candidates, which became a network to promote their campaigns. She discovered MMT in early 2019 and vetted these candidates for an openness to learning it and a platform that reflects its knowledge. Between October 2019 and March 2020, several dozens of federal candidates joined our introduction sessions. This includes Cori Bush of Missouri's 1st Congressional District, who just had a stunning upset victory against a 20-year incumbent, an incumbent whose father was in that same position since 1969. Some others include Lauren Ashcraft of New York's 12th Congressional District, Xavier Kerrigan of Ohio's 5th, and Amanda Seabee of Oregon's 1st. Ramona ends with a story of how she owned a jewelry store at the age of 23 and how she felt pressured to selling online on the then-fledgling internet. She knew instinctually that doing this would have instantly made her store into an international company and made it more difficult to focus on her local customers and treat her workers well. It's also a statement on our so-called free market 
and the devastating effects of getting products and services needed for daily survival from very far away. Note that this two-part conversation is not a discussion of MMT concepts, but rather how MMT has affected our lives and political views. cynical about that, but I certainly hope you're right. Um, if I could ask, what else about MMT hit you? Like, I, I guess we met, I don't know, six, six, eight months ago or something. You were like deep into MMT when I already met you. You already had quite a few people on your radar. I'm not even talking about candidates, which we'll get into. So, um, so I, I had the pleasure to um, talk to uh, Pavlina. She is an incredibly intelligent woman. And uh, she has uh, her one of her policies, I don't know if she has more policies than that, um, is a federal jobs guarantee. So what an amazing way to be able to kick off the Green New Deal um, would be to basically give everybody a task of how to get move this forward through a federal jobs guarantee. And I, I just think it's absolutely brilliant. What was the situation that you spoke with her? So uh, Fidel um, had contacted me because um, he had heard from either you or Pody that um, I was contacting uh, candidates and setting up classes for them to learn how to implement MMT into their own policies um, and what MMT was and um, how it works. And so Fidel had contacted me and had um, set together a conversation with me and Pavlina um, to talk about putting together like educational classes for candidates. Hmm. When was this? Uh, March, I think. That's great. And so uh, what Fidel had done was he said, all right, well, instead of creating, you know, one-on-one classes, um, let's, you know, let me just, you know, post that I'm going to be teaching and whoever can, you know, has time to join, they'll, they'll join, you know, I'll let them know several days beforehand and people will participate. And that seemed to be going really well for him. And then Pavlina had said that uh, she was a little bit busy and that she, she also wanted to participate, educating candidates and, and having them learn. And uh, Pody was has is still doing it, is still educating candidates. Um, but I guess what frustrates me is that it's so hard to get these candidates, these these grassroots candidates who who take no PAC money, who are you know M4A Green New Deal. It's so hard for them to win. You know, uh, their primary and to move forward. And, you know, like every time one of them doesn't move forward, like, like my heart sinks, you know? (laughs) Um, Well, that just became more of a reality since Bernie dropped out. Yes. And it's, it's really, you put so much time and effort into, you know, coordinating with them and, and, 
and creating the schedules with them and talking to them and getting them to know you and trust you and creating a relationship with them. And then they don't win. And, and it like, just, we, we, these candidates are all very, very much open to learning, understanding, exploring. I mean, 90% of them, right? And we need to find a way to make sure that wherever they're running, enough people are voting for them that they actually move forward. I'm having difficulty even, you know, just accepting the just the entirety of the electoral process. But setting that aside, yes, of course, I totally agree with you. Um, okay, so why don't we why don't we go into a different subject? Uh, can you talk about how you started to get how you 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 got into MMT and then you started to think about candidates? How did that start? Because I met you in the thick of that. That's how we met. Um, so, so I, I, I learned about MMT and I was trying to get other people to learn about MMT. MMT. I would, you know, post videos from YouTube. I would, you know, talk about it, just get people to like, you know, every, anytime anybody said, well, why don't the rich just, you know, pay their taxes? You know, I'd say, well, <laughs> you know, why don't you look into MMT? Because you actually don't have to rely on somebody else. You know, our government can actually represent us. And so uh, as I was doing that, uh, I, I guess I became aware of different candidates from their very, you know, from their very beginnings, right? Um, and started watching, you know, their little talks that they were giving, um, their live talks that they were giving and things of that sort. And I, I started to understand that, wait, it's not just a dozen candidates. There's hundreds and hundreds of them, people that... Others that others don't even. I think there's a list out there um, that uh, uh, one of the people on Twitter, her name's Misty, put out, and I think there was almost a thousand candidates wow. that are on there. And and some of these candidates nobody even knows about. Like they have like 30, 40 followers. You know, like mm. they're they're not even like then nobody even knows they exist. Um, but there's there's several hundred. That, that are known, you know, and have gotten uh, some recognition. And so I started creating lists of them and uh, finding, you know, their Twitter handles and telling people, listen, you know, be aware that this person is running in this state or, or you know, for, for this seat. And they're, they're your best shot to get some representation. And then I started, you know, by, by doing that, um, a lot of the candidates started contacting me. And I became friends with a lot of them. And then mm. when they would get into sticky situations, they would contact me and I would say, I, I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be the one out there that's going to, you know, go either way on you. This is your campaign. I don't campaign for people. I just let people know that, you know, you exist. What's an example <laughs> of a sticky situation? Um, not naming names. Um, one of the candidates had um, held a talk inside uh, an establishment that had opened up in this uh, less wealthy neighborhood. And this establishment was one of the establishments that was um, 
what's it called when of a whole bunch of like uh, when like neighborhoods change demographic Gen- gentrification gentrification this neighborhood was just starting to become gentrified and um, and so she had held her talk in this establishment and um, she had contacted me like before I even knew about it asking me if I had heard anything about it and I said no I, I have no idea what you're talking about <laughs> and, then, and, and nor do I care. You know, like, I'm not. I'm not getting involved in this. And so, you know, if you need my support in any way, I support you. You know. And so then, her opponent uh, a month later, three weeks later, her opponent came and said to me, "Well, she did this, 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 and this." And I, you know, and I hadn't even she- let. I hadn't even let the, this is beyond what I was expecting, guys. Yeah, I hadn't even let the first girl tell me the situation because I just didn't <laughs> And so I was hearing this for the first time, and I said, "Okay." And then, you know, all I could say was, "I understand." You know, mm-hmm. like <laughs> so I, it's very petty and things of that sort. And so, you know, when I see uh, progressives running against each other. And then not supporting each other, you know, kind of mm-hmm. attacking each other. Yeah, I immediately we, get turned off. Yeah, and I can think of. I'm. I'm not going to say it, uh, and I. I couldn't even remember the name if I tried. But I can remember one that we experienced together, where it was like two good progressives in the same district, and they were sniping at each other. I was like, "Why are you doing this?" Right, and they. they the, I remember the example, and then that one of those progressives was really tearing down the other progressive and the other progressive actually won his primary oh he did oh really yes yes he won his primary which is wonderful one of the and i had and and he had i actually he actually physically came out and contacted me and like called me and was like telling me listen you know this is what happened this is what i did but i have grown and evolved and and I, i you know there's and I can't like if you're saying that you stand for Green New Deal and you stand for Medicare for all and and you stand with the people, I have to believe that. You know, if you're just saying that just to say that, then shame on you. I mean, that's as far as I can go. But it's like if you are for Medicare for all and Green New Deal and then you, you know, learn MMT, it becomes obvious MMT requires you to be honest with your immorality. Right. So, so I'm not there for the pettiness, um, but I am there to support and to, to make other people aware and, you know, to, you know, I've, I've tried to um, contribute to various people's campaigns as much as I can. Um, there's so many of them that I got to a point where I was like, all right, I'm only contributing once a week to one candidate. You know? I know it's, it's like, it's, it's ridiculous. It's like, you know, the, all the candidates that we support are all GoFundMes, you know, they're all like, I am personally responsible for the progressive movement to, for funding the progressive movement. And then that's true. It's, it's actually, if I, you know, I'm, I am personally responsible for someone's health when they have a GoFundMe. I am personally responsible for hundreds and hundreds of progressives around the country to win. It's my personal responsibility. And that, that's not exaggeration. It, it's, that is what our society has forced upon us, that if we want these progressives to win, then we have to personally fund them despite our struggling in our own lives, you know. Um, but I, I think you are, you know, despite my skepticism of just our system and our electoral process, 
it doesn't change the fact that educating these people, even though most of them have lost, almost all of them have lost and will lose, it doesn't change the fact that that is still what needs to be done. Because whatever the specific method of change will be, whether it's ranked choice voting in our current system, whether it's revolution, whether whatever kind of revolution that might be, you cannot take action properly if you don't understand the truth. So these people, whether they end up going into Congress or not, they will be local leaders of their own little, you know, areas and they know the truth. And so, you know, even if we don't get that win right now, it's still, it's still a necessary step. Teaching the truth is a necessary step. And MMT is a huge part of that truth. Well, the great part about these candidates is that they're resilient. <laughs> so even if they lose, they will run again. Um, and so uh, they won't stop. And so, and if they're not running, somebody else will be running. And so we've gotten to, I don't know how this happens. And you can't just say, you know, uh, one, one progressive winning her seat created this. Or, or Bernie Sanders created this, or it was just a matter of time, right? Um, but, but we've gotten to a point where people are so empowered and so angry and have such a huge heart and compassion for each other that they're not going to stop. They're never going to stop. They're never going to stop running. They're never going to stop talking and educating and supporting each other and moving forward. What alternative is there? There is no other alternative. And There's so, no alternative. And, and when you say empowered, I think, I think you're leaning more towards their eyes are open, they're educated, they're learning the, the truth, the full truth. Correct. As opposed to they now are, have the power to win, which is not, we're not where we are yet. No, no. But we, we didn't have this, you know, 15 years ago. We didn't have this 10 years ago. This is all new. That's what to me Bernie gave us. He taught us the truth. He, well, first of all, just woke people up, which I am totally one of them because I was completely asleep before I discovered him in August in 2015. And then two years later, discovered MMT as a sort of a tangent of him, um, which many people is the same, took the same path. But he taught us the truth. He opened our eyes and he taught us the truth about politics and indirectly about economics. But, you know, he's bowed out now and now that that age is over. So what's going to happen now? But we cannot move forward in the right direction until we know the truth. And he taught us a very big part of that truth. What he didn't teach us, and we still have a lot to learn, is, yeah, now we have a lot of this truth but we're missing something big because we're still getting swatted so effectively. Bernie got swatted. All these candidates are getting swatted, even though we know the truth. So, you know, there's still some big piece missing. Oh, and actually it's not just sharing the truth. The other thing that he gave us was a community. I would have never met you if it were not for him. I would have never discovered MMT if it were not for him. I would have never had the community or even, I mean, I just wouldn't be where I am now had it not been for him. 
So, you know, the, the one concerning thing is that we're on the, our primary forms of communication is owned by people who do not want those uncomfortable truths to come out. So that's quite a precarious position, Twitter, Facebook, and so on, uh, YouTube. Um, but setting that aside, uh, you know, we now have a community of people who want, who want to learn more truth. Because uh, final point related to this is standing up and going in the wrong direction. That's happened so many times. When people don't know the problem, they know something's huge is wrong, but they don't know what it is. And if you don't know what the problem is, then you can't know what the solution is. And it's very easy to defeat you. And as a parent, it is your job to teach your child who is freaking out to be able to, f- to focus that energy in, a, in an appropriate way, help them grow up. And th- I see it as a very similar thing where you know, our government uses that against us in order to control us. So they know that we're, you know, we're angry, but, but instead of educating us fully, they use that to, uh, to their advantage to stop those movements from happening. And I think that's a big part of, of where we're at right now. So there, there is a lot of hope. So I'm going to tell you what's going on. <laughs> so from what I see, the 90% of the people who were voting for Bernie have uh, decided to dem-exit. And so mm-hmm. now there's several different um, parties that have opened up, right? And several different organizations. And um, we were trying to figure out, okay, well, what do we do? to kind of bring all of these organizations together. So in the beginning, I was, you know, calling everybody and saying, listen, you know, would you mind combining with this party that just sprouted up or that party that just sprouted up or, you know, um, or sharing resources? And so then um, I saw a a tweet by uh, American Best. I don't know if you know who he is, Obi. No, um, that does definitely so American Vest had said, you know, we need to connect all of these different groups together. So you have uh, DSA, you have uh, Justice Democrats, you have the Green Party, you have, you know, um, several different groups that have popped up. There's a whole bunch of them. Let's bring them all under one umbrella. So they're mm-hmm. they're all sharing information and they're all helping each other and and they they have you know some uh, a, a basic you know bill of rights that they they all sign on to and they all agree with mm-hmm. so that so that there is more power because there's there's the many 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 are connected mm-hmm. and so um, he's in the process of putting that together okay uh, another uh, there's 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 several different groups that have contacted me to ask me if you know I would join their group. And so I decided um, to join uh, this one group uh, called uh, Progressive Coders, Prog Code. So they're they're probably you know with a whole bunch of coders, they're going to be creating something. Um, I know that there's um, Masterdome is is a messaging, and then there's Reddit is a messaging, and I guess. I don't know what they're going to, to do, what Prog Code is going to do, but but nobody's settling. Everybody's basically like so activated and nobody's giving up. Everybody's so activated. 
everybody's saying, okay, what can I do next? What's the next step? Direct me and I'm there. What so else have, is there? We have millions of organizers that organize for Bernie Sanders. Millions that are now all coming together. And I, I, can't, I can't see us being, it being even possible to stop such a force. So I'm, I'm extremely optimistic. Well, that's good. That's, then I'm going, to, um, I'm going to let you do the talking then. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I hope you're right. And I'm certainly on board. Um, I'm pretty obviously, I'm disappointed with Bernie. Um, I don't think, I don't, do not think it is his fault that he lost. I don't think it's our fault as his supporters that we lost. Um, not at all. It's the system. The system was, you know, built to guarantee our failure. So I don't, I don't hold that against him. You know, you have to be more than perfect and nobody is more than perfect in order to beat this system. I just don't understand why he had to, um, bow out so quickly. I mean, what, what was it? Which he, means that all of these down ballot candidates are now significantly sacrificed. Yeah, which he that's that's just, the biggest disappointment. He could have stayed into the end, and he may have had um, enough delegates. It was still a possibility. Well, okay, but that's the process which I am just personally rejecting. I just reject the process until we're at paper ballots counted in public. The process is illegitimate. Um, you know, whether if he lost if he lost fair and square, fine, totally fine. But we have no way of knowing whether he lost fair and square. What upsets me the most about what Bernie did is that he, well, first of all, is that he did not call out any of the unbelievably questionable stuff that has happened since the very first vote was cast and counted. And that he dropped out as if the process is legitimate. And that is terrible because the voting that caused him to drop out was people exposing themselves to coronavirus. That is illegitimate. And to even consider declaring a winner and a loser in such an illegitimate process on top of all the other things that have happened is just unacceptable. It's just completely unacceptable. And for Bernie to consider this as a legitimate loss and to choose that moment to bow out is just really awful. And, you know, was he, was he, I mean, who, who knows, who knows? We'll never know, but it should have been, no, this voting needs to stop because to choose between voting, you know, their one of their fundamental rights as a citizen and their health of their entire family and community that is not a legitimate process, and I don't accept this process, and this voting must stop until this crisis is over. That's the only reasonable solution. But he bowed out as if it was legitimate, all of this corona voting. I mean, the one, the one example that is the most galling to me is that Florida had their voting, and the very same day they announced that their schools were closed for the entire rest of the school year. But they had people, millions of people go out and vote. And yet we accept that loss as if it was legitimate. So I don't think anybody that campaigns for him um, thinks it's legitimate. 
And so even the members of his campaign are angry. So they about, just about what part of it? Angry about what part? They're they're angry that 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 the Democratic Party did everything they possibly could to make sure it looked like he didn't get enough votes from the beginning to the end. Mm-hmm. And all of this has done is empowered us even more, enraged us even more, made us fight for each other even harder. And we're, we're not giving up. We're not going away. This is not ending. Um, MMT will be used for policy to benefit the common good, the common people. All of this will happen in our lifetime. I am really sure of this because if it wasn't millions of us, right, so enraged and so angry and and people were still asleep and hopeless and dead, I would say, yes, we, we have no chance. But there's power in our numbers. There's power in our compassion. And... We're, we're going to just move forward and we're going to take this, it's like a crime, <laughs> this, this heinous crime that the, the DNC has, has caused the American people. And we're, we're going we're gonna to take all these disenfranchised voters and we're going to give them something to vote for. We're going to give them people to vote for. And we're going to create a structure and a system where their voices matter. That's great. Um, so what else? Like, uh, You've been at MMT for about a year and a half. Like, What directions are you going in? Are there specific things that you're interested in learning at the moment? Or is it just more of a, just a general, just reading as much as you can on whatever so you I'm can? Just, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm learning still. So I think when I, when I first learned about MMT, I thought you know, it was printing money. And then I learned that it's not printing money. It's just, you know, typing some keys on a computer. And, and so as I, I move forward, I'm learning more and more. I'm really looking forward um, to Stephanie Kelton's book that's coming out in June. Mm-hmm. Um, I read as much as I possibly have time to read. Um, there are, uh, I think that, I think his name is Nathan um, he's been writing a lot of papers about MMT. Do you know who I'm talking about? Nathan, Nathan Tankus? Yes, Nathan Tankus. Yes, Nathan Tankus uh, uh, has a substack on the Federal Reserve's response to... This, so, this, the I, you know, I've been reading that a lot. Oh, great. Because I don't really fully understand it, and I want to understand it. And then uh, Stephanie Kelton did um, something two days ago, she was on a um, an e event, and so I, I, I was listening to that, mm-hmm. and it was about how MMT works with the Green New Deal. And then Fidel had just done something; um, it was really brilliant. Uh, I, you you were there as well about the Green New Deal, and he had a whole slideshow. And so I'm I'm really at the place where I want to learn as much as I possibly can because. 
I want to be able to get to a place where I'm able to have a full conversation with people who tell me, oh, you're crazy. You believe in MMT. (laughs) (laughs) And I want to be able to fully explain it to them so that when they call me crazy afterwards, they can say, well, maybe I'm the one that's misinformed. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And so I really want to get my, my education and my language at that place. Um, I, I was walking down my block and uh, I met one of my neighbors for the first time. Uh, he's a lawyer. And he was talking to me about fiscal responsibility. So oh, yeah. And, and, and you know with a lawyer, it's going to be a rough conversation no matter what. <laughs> so, but he was a sweetheart. And so I said, well, do you know about modern monetary theory? And he said, no. And I said, well, why don't you look it up? And I gave him some names. And I said, you know, why don't you check that out and, you know, get back to me? So, so if I could just sit there and instead of, you know, say that, you know, and say, you know, and just lead him in the right direction, but I could give sure. him a full you know, sit down and give them a full breakdown. That's mm-hmm. where I want to get to. I want to. I want to be that educated to be able to do that. Well, you just handled it in the perfect way. You 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 don't start a conversation that you're obviously not prepared to handle yet, because it, I, I've been at it for more than two years, and I, it's it's rough when you bring up anything like that. It's like it immediately turns into like these fractal, crazy skepticism tangents and stuff that uh, you know i'm not i'm not prepared for that so you handled it in a good way of you look up these names look up their works and you know that they because they're obviously able to handle those things that's great and i'm really happy that like pavlina was just on um uh the rising Mm, and she was talking about Mm -hmm. She was just talking about um, federal jobs guarantee, and so the, the the media is starting to well the the fringe media at least is starting to to have people on and, and talk about it and discuss it and and so that makes me the fact that the fringe media like the the progressive media actually exists is is a wonderful thing. The fact that we have we would have never gotten to this place if if it wasn't for technology, if it wasn't for YouTube, if it wasn't for uh, Twitter and podcasts and we would have never gotten to this point. And and because we're able to educate each other and we're able to listen to different things outside of the corporate owned media that we're, we're able to come and, and share our ideas and have a platform. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, another thing about Bernie, I want to say, you know, I give him a lot of credit because the only reason that Stephanie Kelton was able to become, she was part of the Federal Reserve. What was she? Stephanie Kelton? Oh, no, no, no. Uh, she was the something advisor to the Democratic Party in 2015. Right, an That's economic advisor. About. Something to that effect with the, with the Democratic to- Party because Bernie requested it. Because Bernie was in a position to be able to request it. And, and all of this is all, you know, like as much as people are angry at Bernie, all, everything that we have learned, you know, and as much as I had wished that, you know, when people turned around and asked Bernie Sanders, how are you going to pay for it? He would have just, you know, gone off about, you know, MMT and how it's our responsibility to take care of our people. 
<laughs> and and that would have been wonderful. But um, but nevertheless, everything that we we have with MMT, we really really have to appreciate. You know, Bernie Sanders for kinds of bringing this in all of this research that all of these you know brilliant minds have have understood bringing it to the forefront um that is the truth that he that is his introducing to the truth to so many and 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 it's it's absolutely i mean it completely changed my life completely not just about economics but but just overall completely changed my i do not blame him at all i mean there are things i'm upset about but i think people blaming him is just another element of dividing us up where we need to stand with Bernie and punch up and us like railing against Bernie and his campaign, I think is very counterproductive. I agree. I got, I got blocked by a lot of uh, Bernie supporters really? when I, when I was defending Bernie. Yeah. When he, when he first, um, when he first, uh, uh, canceled his, uh, um, his run, um, they, a lot of people were very upset and, you know, what does that have to I do was, with you? What does that have to do with blocking you? Because I, you know, I was saying, you know, the, the, the fight still continues we still oh. move forward. just because, yeah. you know, he dropped out of the race doesn't mean that there isn't a place for us. It doesn't mean that we don't continue to organize and create and help. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because it's, it, in, in some ways, I, you know, as you have, witnessed on this conversation, I'm really darkly cynical about some stuff, really, really cynical about some stuff. But on the other hand, I totally agree with what you just said. We need to stand with Bernie. This is not, this had very little to do with him as his, him and his campaign. He lost because the, the word lose is defined by corrupt people. And I do not accept that definition. So it's the problem is the system. Like, yeah. So like, it's like, I, I totally agree with that. And that is, I don't know if optimistic is the right word, but that feels like, you know, an optimistic thing that we need to stand together, even though there are some really cynical stuff. It basically what it boils down to is I am extremely darkly cynical about what's going to happen to us on our current path with our current system. That doesn't mean that we can't change that system, though. I mean, look what COVID nineteen has done to our system, and then and then this is just the beginning because we're looking at climate change, and as that progresses and progresses and progresses, and you know, and we go into food scarcity, and you know, um, certain parts of the planet are unlivable, and people start migrating. Um, you know, now is the time that combined we, with Trump's wall, right? And so, and so, now is the time that we need to be organizing because we need to be protecting each other. And so, um, you know, learning how to—this is a different topic—but learning how to grow your own food and learning how to kind of be as self-reliant as you possibly can. Well, I don't see there's a different topic. It's 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 we 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 depend on things that come from the other side of the world for day-to-day survival. Right. And that's going to kill us. And, and, and because of that, because we do that, because we get 
mundane products and food from the other side of the planet. We don't get it here. And that's the excuse that companies, people use to buy up land that would otherwise be used for food production and education and whatever. And so therefore, when we get to a point where we just are not able to get food from the other side of the planet, we now have all of this land that should have been for that local production is now taken away from us for not productive purposes. So now we're, it, it puts us in a really, really bad position. So yes, we must get local. We must get local with our food and with our education. Even 20 minutes away by car is not going to work. We need to get to a society where we don't need, substantially don't need cars anymore. And driving 20 minutes to work is not going to happen soon. You know, at some point, my, my speculation is that, you know, electric cars aren't going to do it. We need a society where we don't need cars in order to eat and be educated and to, re- you know, have recreation and so on. So there's, you know, so having, uh, having you know, garden rooftop, like gardens on top of every roof in the city. That's one way. Having... Um, you know, vacant lots as, as gardens is another way. Having every backyard, instead of it being grass, have it food that's growing, you know. Having, educating people on how to grow food depending on what their climate is. Um, people living near uh natural water resources and Mm -hmm. all of this is going to have to start happening and changing um uh, people are going to start having to be educated upon this uh because they're not going to be able to survive if they're not able to sustain themselves without outside resources unfortunately oh yeah i mean absolutely water and electricity comes from really far away i mean not water but electricity certainly comes from really far away that ain't going to work soon enough that's not going to work so that's just that's probably one of the most important examples of things that must be localized eventually um yeah no i totally agree with you so i think that has to be part of the the whole platform that we're creating as well as sustainability i listen i'm 42 years old and finally we have people that are old enough and able to vote that think the way I think. (laughs) And I've been waiting for so long (laughs) for these people to exist. And I am so grateful for them. And so it's, it's a whole new world out there. All these very conservative mindsets are kind of, you know, they're, they're going to be slowly dying out and there's going to be more people that are going to be born that are, are going to to think in, in a, a broader way where it includes everybody in the society. Um, and it's not just a, you know, a, a selfish, self-gratifying, you know, existence. It, it's that we're, we're in a good place, even, even though, you know, we would have been a better place if Bernie wasn't consistently cheated and was able to win, we would have been a much better place um, because then a lot of these progressives would have also won their congressional seats and we would have had a full force already. But there's, there's still a lot to be salvaged. We still have each other. We still have this community. Um, we're still all connected. And 
there is still a lot of work that can be done and we can build upon that. And we're obviously not going to win through the Democratic Party. They, they will not allow it. So we have to go an alternative way, way, and we have to be organized about it. And the more we educate each other that, you know, the federal government providing you your necessities is a human right and is something that you are owed and is not uh, a privilege to have, the more people will, will move forward and fight for themselves. I just learned something that, you know, all of these big corporations, banks, corporations, you know, even just the rich are consistently dependent on bailouts from the central government, consistently dependent. Their survival is dependent on bailouts from the central government. So that is actually thinking of this in a new way as I'm saying it to you. That is their social safety net. That is their safety net. And yet they turn to us and say, we're a private business. Government should stay off of our backs. Government is the problem. Free market, free market. And yet they can't survive without the support, the consistent support, massive support of the central government. And the central government is us. We are the central government as a collective. We're the central government. Their money is our money. I don't obviously don't mean individual taxes. It is our collective money, our, the public's money. And that's what they take. So, so they, you know, they, they abuse us as individuals and then they abuse us. They, they steal from us as individuals. And then they steal from us as a collective. So every crime that, that happens, the criminal is bailed out and then they just do it all over again. And yet we're, you know, we're victimized twice each time. So, so my, my point was, does that company have a right to even say that there is a such thing that has ever existed called a private company or a free market? And on top of that, how did they get what they have to begin with? Did they get it, their land, their wealth, their prop, their stuff? How much mass suffering was a result of their accumulating what they have? And therefore, again, do they have the right to claim that what they have is actually their own? No, they're here to serve us. <laughs> and, uh, and what happens is, is they just, you know, uh, abuse us. <laughs> But they're, they're, you know, the, these companies are supposed to be there to serve us because they're providing for, they're providing us a service. And so somehow all of this got all mixed up around in capitalism and people started thinking that they're here to serve the corporations by being paid very low wages so that the corporations can just grow larger and larger and larger. And then, you know, because that's the only way that they can provide for us is if we make less but trust us, you make less for us now, we'll provide for you later because we're the job creators. Right, because we're the, right. And then, and then constantly closing down, you know, small businesses. I mean, think about Amazon. How many small businesses had to close their doors because Amazon exists? And how much are they benefiting during this crisis? Because they have, they don't, brick and mortar is not going to work during this crisis. So Nobody's working now. Everybody's Amazon is. Amazon, yeah, is. Amazon is. So exactly. this is really in a sinister way has been such a boon for Amazon and actually helped them helping them destroy local businesses, even in and a then higher they don't, speed. And then they don't they don't even contribute 
in the sense that they don't take care of their workers and then they, they you know, they don't even pay taxes. <laughs> they don't even contribute back to the system. And so it, it's really just a, a space of just take, 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 take as they grow, 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 grow. And, and I remember um, when I was uh, 23, I owned a jewelry store. Hmm. And, um, and I was sitting in the jewelry store. I had, I had a computer. It was when uh, the internet first had started in the sense of like eBay just had opened up and, uh, and Amazon hadn't even started yet. eBay was hmm. the only thing that had opened. And, and Jeff Bezos was in the news because he was uh, selling books out of his garage. <laughs> and, and I Back had when a, he was a human being. Right. Well, I mean, I don't know if he ever was, but, and then, <laughs> and then, well, how do you treat people in such a way? So, and then, and then he, and then there were investors that had come into my jewelry store and I had a camera that was set on the jewelry to take pictures of it. And the computer was sitting on the desk and they said to me, are you, and their the eyes opened up and they said, are you going to, you know, put that jewelry on eBay? And I said, well, right now there's only one person in like, I think it was China at the time. There was one person on eBay that was selling like these like ugly bracelets. And I, and I looked at them and I said, you know, if I, I was thinking about it, that's why the camera is there. But if, if I get too far into this, then I'm going to have to compete with other companies eventually. And then I'm going to have to make my stuff or package my stuff. And then the people that I, because I have to compete, the people that are making my stuff, I don't know how they're living, if they're suffering. And the people that are packaging my stuff, I'm going to have to pay, you know, less than what they deserve. And so I'm not sure. I'm still, I'm still thinking about it, right? You know, these men that had walked into my jewelry store looked at me in bewilderment. Like I was just insane. Like, well, what do you mean? It's profits. <laughs> you know, how can that, how could your moral responsibility Oh, of wanting to take care of meaning that you were worried that if you did that, that you would, you were worried that you would not be able to treat your workers as nicely. Correct. And I have sold things online. You're a human being. Yeah. Right. I have sold things online that, you know, I have made like, you know, one of a kind pieces or things of that sort and that that's fine. But I didn't want to get to the point where I was going to have to go into mass manufacturing, compete with other companies because then it goes out of control. Right. And then that's actually, that's interesting. You're actually by selling online, you suddenly become an international company and you're competing with international companies as opposed to a local store. Right. And so Jeff Bezos was just starting up at that point and he had absolutely no thoughts about that. He was not concerned in the least bit. And if it wasn't Jeff, it would have been somebody else, right? It, 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 there's always somebody that, that has has no concern about that. And, and I don't know. It... It's really, it's human consciousness and human consciousness just needs to continue to evolve to a place where, you know, if I'm hurting, you're hurting. If you're hurting, I'm hurting. And if you're in joy, I'm in joy. If I'm in joy, you're in joy. And so we really actually care for each other and feel each other on a deep basis. And until we get to that place, there's still going to be, you know, um, individuals who, uh, take advantage of the system and take advantage of each other and feel good about it in the process. The story you just told was basically local versus not local of, of you, you 
your local store is you know making your life more local and if you went onto eBay then that would inherently be a not local thing and actually and and it's interesting that choosing to not be local to go onto the internet and compete with other companies makes in it makes it more likely that you would have to treat your workers not as well right but i that i'm somebody that at that time at 23 years old i was very aware of that and i think that most people um even now don't think about you know even even if it's not their direct action how it would affect right in the chain of things that need to conspire to develop a business or whatever it is and so and so i you know um it's an interesting dilemma to be in and we'll see what happens but but hopefully right um We'll, we'll be empowered. We'll, we'll have a, a rise in consciousness and, and there'll be more that are willing to fight for each other, right? I, I, whoever came up with that slogan, fight for somebody you don't know, was oh. brilliant. <laughs> I, I've, I've only heard it from Bernie. Uh, yeah, yeah, whoever came up with that. Like, was it Bernie himself who came up with that? I don't know. I, I, he said that, I believe the first time he said that was his, his major speech in... Queens or whatever it was after his heart attack, his, his huge rally. Yeah, I was there. I had volunteered oh, that wow. day. Yeah. And actually, I, knowing that you live in Long Island and before, I, I did not know you at the, at the, I'm pretty sure I did not know you. I think I met you very soon after the conference in Long Island. Actually, I know I did because, yeah, I know I did. So the MMT conference was right in your back door. I mean, I, I don't know exactly where you are on the island, but. I wish that I had met you at that conference. I was there. I wish I had been at that conference. <laughs> did you Did you know about it? Um, I think I I understood about the the I understood that the conference was going on, but at the you were time, aware of MMT at the, you definitely were and aware I was of MMT. definitely aware of MMT at the time. But um, I, at that point, I was a single mom taking care of two kids, hmm. and so the luxury of being able to be free enough to to go and do something that I really want to do was not there. Hmm. And I think other single moms can relate. It's basically you're doing the task force of two people and emotionally, physically, financially. And it was not, I, I never thought of, okay, what am I interested in? Hmm. Well, I am very glad that I met you. Um, I see you as an anchor in a way like like you're just you're you're very mature um it has been a real pleasure working with you and and just talking with you online and uh is there is there anything else that you would like to say before we close out um Jeff, it's because of you that I um, was able to take all of this energy that I have and really put it into something uh, truly productive. Um, you were the one who introduced me to Pody. You were the one who said, you know, to me, well, you know, since you know about MMT and you're friends with all of the candidates, why don't you, you know, help educate them? <laughs> and and I'm truly grateful for that opportunity. Um, it, it's really been a pleasure. Um, and um, I'm, I'm so happy to be here and be able to talk to you. And um, I hope 
this this talk benefited people and gave them uh, a glimmer of hope. That would be really nice. That's very nice to hear you say. I actually didn't realize quite that much. That's 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 a pleasant surprise. I, that's very nice to hear. And and thank you. I'm glad it I'm glad it worked out that way. Yeah. No. Actually, I'm a little bit in shock. I did not realize. Um, I knew that we met around Podi. So I went to the conference in September, and I know that Podi was there. I didn't know him at the time. And then in October, I discovered Lauren Ashcraft, who you know, Isha. I know Isha. Oh, I don't personally know her, but, but you know yeah. who she is. You know who she of is. Of course. So she introduced me to Lauren, and then I introduced Lauren to MMT, and then coincidentally. Cody also reached out to Lauren after she, after she and I spoke and after she saw my own present introduction presentation, which I'm not giving anymore. I'm going to maybe totally write it someday, but she saw my presentation, my introduction presentation. And then, then she spoke with Pody for the first time. And this is what's amazing to me. I, I scheduled a time with Lauren and her staff to introduce, which I knew I was out of my depth, but you know, at least I could just, run through that introduction and then point them to people who could answer questions. Cause I obviously am not there yet. Then Pody reached out to her and her campaign after we had already scheduled our thing. And Lauren told Pody, thank you very much, but I already have an appointment with Jeff. And then I, and then she introduced me and Pody and I spoke with Pody and then I, I had no idea who he was. And then when I realized who he was, I went to Lauren and I was like, you need to talk to him. You need to not talk to me. <laughs> you would be insane to not talk to Pody, <laughs> you know? So that's, that's how it all began. That's how I met him. And then I don't remember how it, it worked specifically, how it worked to you. I know that you were compiling your list and somehow, somehow found, that was found out. Um, but that's how, that's how it all began. So I was reading something because I, I follow a few people to volunteer there are two lawyers in Long Island who basically control the entire political scene in Queens. Oh, of course. And I, I thought that was fascinating. And I, I think they're, they're, they're going to be able to break through that. Just even having the crew, whatever they're called, even having one more person in the door would make a very large difference. So... That would, that would really be great if she won. Yeah. Um, thank you so much, Jeff. Yes, thank you, Ramona, a lot. I will see you back on Twitter. Um, and thank you for all the time that you gave me today. All right, take care now. It was a pleasure. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. For this show is by Rectech. You can find Rectech on SoundCloud and Spotify at W-R-E-C-K underscore T-E-C-H. To record Activist MMT, I use the iOS phone app Tape a Call Plus for recording phone calls and Zencaster for internet-based recordings. My post-production workflow starts by editing on the iOS app AnyTune Pro Plus then transferring those timestamps to my Windows desktop. At that point, 
I crudely process the audio in Audacity and then implement the edits and do all of the final processing in the Reaper digital audio workstation. Activist MMT is hosted by Libsyn and the video teasers are created with the online Headliner app. Today is part two of my two-part conversation with second-year MMT activist Ramona Masachi. Ramona is a New Jersey resident, mother of two, and an artist who creates handmade jewelry, chandeliers, and metal sculptures that light up. In this second part, Ramona and I talk about how we worked together for several months to coordinate and schedule dozens of federal candidates for private introductions to MMT with PhD economists. Before we met, Ramona helped create a community of hundreds of progressive candidates, which became a network to promote their campaigns. She discovered MMT in early 2019 and vetted these candidates for an openness to learning it and a platform that reflects its knowledge. Between October 2019 and March 2020, several dozens of federal candidates joined our introduction sessions. This includes Cori Bush of Missouri's 1st Congressional District, who just had a stunning upset victory against a 20-year incumbent, an incumbent whose father was in that same position since 1969. Some others include Lauren Ashcraft of New York's 12th Congressional District, Xavier Carrigan of Ohio's 5th, and Amanda Seabee of Oregon's 1st. Ramona ends with a story of how she owned a jewelry store at the age of 23 and how she felt pressured to selling online on the then-fledgling internet. She knew instinctually that doing this would have instantly made her store into an international company and made it more difficult to focus on her local customers and treat her workers well. It's also a statement on our so-called free market and the devastating effects of getting products and services needed for daily survival from very far away. 
Note that this two-part conversation is not a discussion of MMT concepts, but rather how MMT has affected our lives and political views.